Acts chapter 20, verse 33. The words of the Apostle Paul to some Ephesian leaders. I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and those that were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more, excuse me, that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now I started this year preaching about a blessed life that we need to give God something to work with. We answer the question, can God bless a chili dog? On that Wednesday, I spoke on traits of Abraham's life, five traits that made him a man God would bless. Last Sunday, I spoke on the blessed life is a clear choice. Remember Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. It's not a mystery, not hard to understand. It is a clear life of obedience to God's word. And this past Wednesday night, I spoke on the subject that the blessed life is a path. Psalm 1, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And that passage of Psalms, what a wonderful psalm it was. This coming Wednesday, Lord willing, I'm going to speak on the blessed life is an attitude. But today I want to speak on this subject. The blessed life is a generous life. And you may be seated. If you happen to have a red-letter edition of the Bible and you're reading a hard copy while I was reading my text, you notice that some of those words that I read today were in red. They were spoken by Jesus Christ himself. Now, it's interesting that those words that Paul quoted that Jesus said while he was here in the days of his flesh are not recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You will not find those words in the gospel record of the words and works of Jesus Christ. It's almost as if there's an emphasis placed on them for the setting that they were saved for the fifth book in the New Testament, the book of Acts. That's where we read the words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now about a month ago, uh, many of you were anticipating this special event. Let me see, what was that? Oh yeah, Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. And you were thinking about finding the perfect gift for the person who has everything. Maybe you were plundering the internet, checking sales and specials everywhere. You were thinking about gift getting. Well, I have a sneaking suspicion that there are some people in this room that were thinking about gift getting. You were making a list, checking it twice. No, that, that was not you. You were making a list. You were kind of dispersing it to the people who wanted to get you something because Christmas is about giving but it's also about getting. And I think it's important to note that when Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive, he didn't say that you weren't blessed when you received. It's just more blessed to give than to receive. But I would like for you to take that wonderful, epic truth that Jesus gave and try to teach it to a toddler or maybe even a five-year-old. Christmas Day, all the anticipation. You know, for most people, kids especially, it's all about me and it's all about getting. So you try to tell that kid, look, now I know that you're really excited about what you're going to get on Christmas Day, but here's what I want you to do. When you open your favorite gift, I want you to give it to your sister. 
or your brother. Because the Bible says, my dear child, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. No matter how true that is, that little mind is probably not going to really embrace that new truth as a revelation straight from God. Just try getting a child to share. That is a learned behavior. It is not typically an innate behavior, not something that is naturally there. It's something you have to work on to get children to be selfless instead of selfish. Now, I know most of us are big people here today. We're not back in chips, children in the power zone. You're here in the sanctuary. We're all grown up. Not some of us are. But, you know, that basic nature about getting is pretty strong in us. And I like to know what I'm getting, and I like to get good gifts. The Bible said that your heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts to His children. And I want to be one of His children that knows how to receive them, right? (laughs) It is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, some people uh, feel loved when they receive gifts. Some people feel or express love by giving gifts. That's what Dr. Gary Chapman taught us in the book, The Five Love Languages. So I was thinking about this this morning. There's probably some people in the congregation right now that want to tell your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, my love language is receiving gifts. If you really want to say, I love you to me, that can best be expressed by something really expensive and extravagant because that's how I'm really going to know that you love me. Well, that's not how everybody says I love you, but that's how some people do. This setting is very unique to me. The Apostle Paul is in the last days of of being with the people who are leaders in the city of Ephesus. He calls them to a place called Miletus and he meets with them in somewhat of a retreat. And he pours his heart out to them. He tells them that he's labored day and night. He's not shunned to declare unto them all the counsel of God. He's been with them three years, day and night with tears. He has literally emptied himself for the people in Ephesus, teaching and training and establishing that church there in a very difficult environment. Of all the things Paul says, he saves this succinct passage for the final words just before they kneel down and pray and weep together after he tells them that from now on you will see my face no more. They were brokenhearted about losing the companionship of the Apostle Paul. So at the very end of this very interesting and warm passage, Paul says, let me explain how I've been. I have labored for my own needs. I have worked. Now you may know that the Apostle Paul, in addition to being a theologian and a preacher, by trade he was a tent maker. It was a duty of every Jewish father to teach his son an honest craft or trade. And Paul was a tent maker. He worked with Aquila and Priscilla in Corinth making tents. Evidently, he did the same in Ephesus. He said, I've taken care of my own needs and the needs of those who were with me. And I want you to know that we ought to take care of the people who are weak among us. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The words of the Lord Jesus, remember. Remember these words. Because by your nature you're going to forget that it is more blessed to give 
than to receive. Now you have to understand the setting of this and the message of the Bible that Paul taught in other places to the church in Thessalonica. That if a man does not work, he should not eat. If you're able-bodied, you ought to get a job. If God's given you a sound mind, you need to put it to work, earning a living. Hunger is a very strong motivation. And even in the loving New Testament church, propping up able-bodied, lazy people was not the practice of those people that are our predecessors. So if you can't work, though, and you are weak, as Paul says, there's no government programs back in that day. There's no disability insurance. There's no health care coverage. There's no state-funded aid for the infirmed. You're at the mercy of your family or at your people, the Jewish people or the New Testament church. And Paul wanted people that were weak to know that there is a place for you in the church and that we ought to support the weak. It is the job of those who are strong and able-bodied to take care of people who cannot take care of themselves. We ought to bear the infirmity of the weak. Support the weak, Paul said. And remember, remember the words of the Lord Jesus that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, no one on earth could have said those words with more conviction than Jesus Christ because he who was God himself did not need anything we had. He was self-contained and self-sufficient. He had nothing to gain for himself by coming to earth and loving us. But the Bible says that God is love and true love always seeks expression. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And if you genuinely love, it will always be expressed in generosity for God is love. And he demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But who could better say it is more blessed to give than to receive than Jesus Christ himself? I'm going to ask you a question. Why? Why is it more blessed to give than to receive? Well, I think there are many reasons, but maybe one is that just to have the ability to give is a blessing in itself. Now, when the offering came by today, or whether you gave online, whether you gave a little or gave a lot, if you had something to give, you are blessed that you have something to give. Last time I checked, everybody in the house today has been breathing while I've been preaching. If not, we have a safety team that knows what to do. But the Bible says that God has freely given us life and breath and all things. And there is a command or a call in the Old Testament that says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You praise the Lord. If you have breath, you owe it back to God. The fact that you have breath to breathe means that there's an innate responsibility to respond to God. The very fact that you have something to give tells you that you're blessed. You know, you may wonder, you know, do you give first and then get blessed? Or does God bless you and then you give? Well, I would have to say that God blesses you first. 
He takes the initiative. He gave you life and breath and all things. In Acts 14, He gave them rain, fruitful seasons, filled their heart with gladness. God is the initiator of every good and perfect gift. It comes down from God. Even the people who do not love God at all, He gives them gifts of life and of substance and the ability to earn a living and to make a life. So God blesses you. But then, this is where the test is. Will I be stingy or selfless? Will I respond to God with what He's blessed me with or will I hoard it to myself? Will I keep it for myself or will I return it back to God and will I be generous with other people? A generous response for the goodness of God in our life releases more blessing from God. This is one of the traits of Abraham that we've been speaking about a lot this month. He spares his nephew from kidnapping and the attack of five kings against the king of Sodom. And he takes a great amount of spoil from that battle. He is already somewhat of a wealthy man, but he has just become extremely wealthy. And without a Bible, without a pastor, without anything but an inner prop, Abraham sees Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God coming, and Abraham generously gives 10%, a tenth of everything he has taken, all of his increase, he gives a tenth to Melchizedek and return back to God. You see, this is the trigger of generosity that flows out of a grateful heart. But if you do not recognize God as a source of your blessing, if you do not recognize that everything you have and everything you are came from God, then you're going to hoard it for yourself because you think, I did this. I got this for myself. But Abraham recognized God as the source of everything he had and he generously returned back to God through Melchizedek 10% of everything he had. Now, you say, well, I don't have much and other people have more. I need to hang on to the little bit I have and let those who are blessed with a lot, let them carry the weight. But Jesus set the record straight on giving. One day... He went to church. And I love this story, Mark chapter 12. He went to church, the temple, and he took his disciples with him. And the Bible said he stood over against the treasury. There was a box where people came and gave their offerings. uh, And Jesus stood by that box. And he was the conspicuous observer of how people gave. And Jesus said, the Bible tells us, Luke records this, that, uh, that many came by and they, excuse me, Mark, Mark records this, and some rich people came by and they threw a lot of money in the offering box, in the treasury. They were really rich and their pockets were full of money. So they kind of scooped off quite a bit from the top, you know, kind of at least figuratively, and they threw it in and evidently they were pretty proud of what they did. They were rich. They did it. Everybody saw it. It was right in church. And then there was a little lady that came to church that day. She was a widow and she was very poor. In the Bible, to say a person was a widow often means they were destitute. They had no resources of their own. She's a little widow woman. She doesn't have hardly any money at all. And everything she has to her name, she has with her. She walks down front to the offering box, to the treasury, and she empties her pockets. When she finishes giving in the offering plate that day or that dispenser, whatever it was, she had nothing left over. And Jesus said this. He calls the disciples over to him. And he said, you see what we've just seen, guys? I want to tell you that this poor widow 
has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they out of they put in out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, even her whole livelihood. When those rich guys left church, their pockets were still bulging. Their bank accounts were full. They had flocks and herds and businesses. and They had lots of resources. And they went back out the door of church trusting in what they had evidently. But this little woman, when she walked out the back door of church, she had nothing in her pocket, nothing in her purse, but what she had was faith in God. Amen. She didn't have rent money. She didn't have grocery money. She didn't have transportation money. She didn't have any money left to her name. But when she walked out the back door, she had faith that God would supply all of her needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's what she took away from the offering plate that day. And Jesus said she gave more than everyone else. So you should never feel that you cannot give because you do not have much to give. Because everybody has something to give back to God. And we are blessed just to have something to return to God. Now secondly, there's something about giving that just brings joy. It may be giving something to somebody on the street. It may be sharing with a family member or a friend. It may be paying your tithes to the Lord, giving to missions. Maybe you see the 401 Kingdom Report and know you give to that. And when you see that going up, you just feel blessed. On Mission Sunday, when you hear people receiving the Holy Ghost, being baptized, being trained, and you know that you give to global missions, it makes you feel good that you're part of that cause. There's a joy that is inherent in knowing that you were part of making a difference. The blessed life is a generous life. There's just a joy in giving. And I've also found this, that when you give, and especially when you give until it hurts, sometimes sacrificially, that there is something that is broken in the hardness of the human heart that says, I just gave away something that was precious to me and I've made a statement of my values and the lordship of Jesus Christ. And when you give sacrificially, something breaks through in you that cannot happen any other way than by sacrifice. It's a blessing just to know that you made a difference, a sense of fulfillment that comes from giving. And then, this is what the Bible says, that you're more, it's more blessed to give than to receive because God blesses people who give. Amen. God blesses generosity, whether you know that or not, but He loves a cheerful giver. Here's what the Bible says. Matthew, the words of Jesus, start <clears throat> on the mount. He said, when you give your charitable deeds, your alms, don't stand on the corner of the street. Da, 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 da. I'm getting ready to give. Don't do like an overhand dunk with your offering when you're going to put it in there. <clears throat> Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Just kind of give, you know, simply. <clears throat> and the Bible said that your father, your father, who sees in secret will himself Rewards you openly. God blesses giving. Proverbs 11.25 The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Luke 6.38 The setting is not money, but the principle is the same. Give, 
and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you measure out or meet, with all it shall be measured again to you. Now, this is a very powerful scripture. It's a picture of a guy going to the market and he's buying some grain. And the guy filling his grain basket puts it in, he shakes it down, he presses it down, it's running over, he gives generously. And for the same measure that you measure out, it will be measured again to you. So if you're really stingy with God, if you're a cheapskate with God, you don't believe that God blesses giving and you withhold, then God measures it back to you with the same measuring spoon. But if you believe that God is generous and that you can't outgive God and that He keeps His word, then you open up your heart and you open up your life and you open up your financial resources and you're generous because a blessed life is a generous life. <clears throat> Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Now we're talking about the blessed life and God blesses generosity. But if you read before these verses... <clears throat> You will find that God tells the people, book of Malachi, will a man rob God? He said, but you've robbed me in tithes and offering. He said, this whole land is cursed with the curse. But then he gives them this challenge, bring you all the tithes into this storehouse. That there may be meat in my house. That's the purpose that we give at our local church so that the local church can be funded and function and fulfill the great commission. And then the Lord says, and prove me. <clears throat> Can you imagine God who has nothing to prove coming to me and saying, test me? God coming to you, he has nothing to prove, but he says, I want you to try me because I know that money is hard because people are stingy. And it's hard to trust God to release into his hands the first 10% or to give to the poor or to give to missions or whatever it is. We, are, we want to hoard like a little kid hanging on to his toy. The Lord said, prove me. That if you will do what I have just said, bring your tithes into the storehouse. If I will not open the windows of heaven, I will open you windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there should not be room enough to receive it. Now here's where we run into trouble. We say, well look, I'm stuck at this job. I've got a stingy boss. Things are tight. Nobody's getting raises. There's no room for upward mobility. Nobody's getting promotions around here. I might even be on the list for being laid off. So I need to set some money aside for an emergency. So I don't think this is going to work out. I can't see how God would bless me on my job. So you don't give. But what you don't understand when you think like that is the Lord said, I will open to you the windows of heaven. The windows are not at work. It's not on some rich relative that is going to die. It's not on winning the lottery. It is the windows are in heaven. And the Lord said, I will pour you out a blessing that you cannot receive, that there will not be room enough for you to store it up. Now you're saying, I tithe and that's never happened to me. I don't have so much money that I can't count it. <clears throat> and God does bless financially. But God pours out blessings in more ways than just spoiling you with money that you don't know how to handle. But it gives you life. He gives you his spirit. He gives you strength and health and a family that lives for God. <clears throat> 
God has blessed me financially in my lifetime. I've tithed since I was 12 years old, but I'm not a millionaire because I tithe. But I am blessed in more ways than I can count because God has opened the windows of heaven. He has blessed this church. He has blessed people in this church. He has blessed my family. He's blessed my life. He's given me more than I can count. We're blessed to have something to give. We're blessed with the wonderful joy of giving. And we're blessed because God supernaturally blesses people who honor Him first with their finances, with their whole life. God blesses a generous soul. Now the Bible gives some ground rules for generosity. And I want to just quickly go through them. But first of all, Proverbs 3 and 9. We should be generous first with God. Since He's the source of all blessing in our life, Doesn't it make sense to first be generous back to Him? Proverbs 3 and 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of your increase. I mentioned in Malachi 3 and 10, bring all your tithes into the storehouse. So we should honor God first. Secondly, you should give as God has blessed you financially. Not everybody has the same amount of income or ability to earn. And in 1 Corinthians 16 and 2, The apostle Paul wrote upon the first day of the week, every one of you should lay by him in store, set this aside, as God has prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. They were receiving a benevolence offering for the poor church in Jerusalem and the Lord said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give as God has blessed you. If you make minimum wage, it's going to determine how much you're able to give back in most cases. If you make $100,000 a year or more, then your amount of money is going to be different. But all God says is, I want you to give back according as I have blessed you. 2 Corinthians 8 and 12. That God doesn't expect us to give what we don't have, but according to what one has and not according to what you do not have. So you shouldn't look around the church and try to figure out who's rich and who's poor, who gives a lot and who gives a little. Sometimes you would be surprised. But you should just say, God, this is how much you've blessed me to give and I'm going to give according to what I have. Remember the story of the little widow that I just told you? She gave two pennies basically and God said she's given more. So in the eyes of God, it is not the dollar amount, it is the amount of commitment that you show to God that God honors your faithfulness back to Him. So you should honor God first and you should give as God has blessed you. <clears throat> you should give intentionally, not accidentally. You don't come to church and just kind of dig in the bottom of your purse, ladies, and say, I wonder if there's any change that fell down in there to give to God. You don't look at your bank account at the end of the month and say, well, I've got 59 cents left over. I guess that goes to the church. You give intentionally, and you give to God first, and you honor Him, and you make a point that you're going to be generous with God, and you're going to give intentionally. And then you should give systematically. In 1 Corinthians 16.2, I mentioned this. Paul said, on the first day of the week, lay in store. Plan to give. Don't let it be hit and miss. You should give systematically to the Lord. If you go to Financial Peace University, you will learn that you can give and eat all together. You don't have to starve or give. It's what you do with the money that God gives you that determines that. When I was a Bible college student, 
I would have been about 20 years old, maybe in my early 20s. I worked for the Bible college, and I made the grand sum of $45 a week. $25 was taken out of my check. There wasn't really a check, I guess, and put straight to room and board. Now, that's great, $25 for a place to sleep and something to eat all week long except for fast day in Bible college. So that left me a grand sum of $25 a week to pay car insurance on, which I usually made on breaks, and spending money and gas money and tithe money, $25 a week. Bible college student. And so I, uh, I don't know what happened, but I just got sloppy. It wasn't because I, I didn't want to pay tithes. I, I literally forgot to pay tithes. That would have been on the gross amount, $4.50 out of $25 that came into my pocket. I forgot to pay tithes of $4.50 a week. And in my little teeny world of financial success, 25 bucks a week, I got into so much trouble, checks bounced, all goofed up, and I learned something. That if you don't make a point to be a good steward, just sloppiness. If you deal with a slack hand, you're going to come to poverty. You've got to make up your mind to be a good steward and generous with God. I'm glad I learned that lesson a long time ago on 25 bucks a week. You should give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. So let every one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly. Pastor's talking about generosity. I'm going to go to hell. I don't. Can't afford it, but I got to or I feel guilty. God's got his hand on the windows. <clears throat> Ready to open them. Ugh. Was wanting a new iPhone. Kids need shoes. I got to give. And you see God looking down at you and me and our sin. Worthless heap of dust. I guess I'm going to have to go down there and die. Not grudgingly. Not out of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. The generous life is an attitude. We'll hopefully talk about that Wednesday. But the blessed life is a generous life. God loves a cheerful giver. Somebody that says to God, you know, I'm so glad I can do this. And God smiles on people doing that. Can you imagine Melchizedek walking up to Abraham and saying, pay tithes or else, boy. He didn't have to do that to Abraham. There are times that we should give sacrificially. I can't explain what I said a while ago, that something breaks in us. But I know when it's happened to me. And I don't believe it should be mandated by any person 
to tell you to sacrifice beyond tithe, offering his free will, whatever you choose to do. The tithe is, tithe is the Lord, the Bible said. But I like what David said. I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. And there are some times in your life when you should be like Mary of Bethany, who has something that is very precious to you. For her, it was perfume. It was worth one year's wages. She came into Jesus Christ. She did not know that he was about to be betrayed, crucified, and buried. But Jesus said later, she has done this unto my bearing. She came in with something that meant a whole lot to her. But she broke the seal, poured it out, put it on the feet of Jesus. She sacrificed. And when she did, it caused a memorial to be established for her to the preaching of the gospel. Even till today. Sacrifice breaks the spirit of materialism that affects us. We cannot serve God and money and sacrifice proves who we serve. And when it happens, it releases something in heaven and in us that is shaking and wonderful. At our recent missions conference, there's a young couple in our church. They discuss this. It's a little bit of a longer story. They made a commitment of a sacrificial offering and they gave it at our missions conference back in November. They were closing on a house and over and over the bank had told them at closing, this is the amount of money that you're going to get. This person asked more than once, how much money am I going to get at closing? And the bank said, this is the amount of money. When they got to closing, the check was for more than what they had been told. They looked at the check and said, what's the deal with this? But it was more. And the amount over what they had been told was the exact amount of money that they had given in a missions conference. You will never tell them that God does not love a cheerful giver and that God does not honor sacrifice. There's a family in our church that a number of years ago gave a very sacrificial offering to missions. There was some land that they had for sale. It had not sold in a long period of time. The very next week, they sold that land for a profit of 10 times the amount that they gave in a sacrificial offering. You will never convince them that God does not bless sacrifice. Ground rules for giving. When you give, You should give expecting God to bless you. Now, I'm not saying that you give to God like it's some kind of a business transaction, but I am not the one who said, prove me. It is God who said, prove me. It is God who said in his word that if you sow bountifully, you will reap also bountifully. It is God who said that if you will give, I will pour out on you a blessing. So when you give, you should expect God to give back however he chooses that he will bless you because it is the promise of his word. One last thing. You are never more like God than when you have a spirit of generosity. Now, wait a second. You're saying, I know God is holy. Yes, he's holy. And we should be holy as he is holy. 
And when you are a holy person inwardly and outwardly, you're like God. But you will never touch more of the heart of who God is and what he has done for us than when you empty yourself before him. I love what the Bible said in Philippians. That being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The original Greek says he emptied himself and became a man to live and die like us. Paul wrote to the Corinthians that he was rich, but for our sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. And then who does not know John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave. The blessed life is a generous life. Would you please bow your heads? Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you spared not your own son, but delivered him up for us all. You, Lord, came in the flesh, gave yourself, as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And in this room right now, God, every one of us sit here today undeserving of the blessings that you have given in our life. I pray, God, that you would let there be a spirit of generosity would sweep over this congregation, that we would be generous with the poor, And generous, O God, with the needy. And generous, O Lord, in our lifestyle with everyone around us. But our generosity, Lord, would start with the surrender of our lives back to you. And more than money, God. But as the Macedonians did in your word, they gave themselves first to you by the will of God. And then, Lord, they gave of their financial resources. I pray, O God, that you would break the spirit of materialism that is bound up in the heart of Americans, that is bound up in us, God. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would pour out your blessings so that we would know the blessing of the generous life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you please look this way. Today my message is not merely about money. But I don't shy away from teaching the Bible whatever it says. When I approach this subject in this month of the blessed life, as I begin to pray and think, I didn't feel like I should teach today, minister a whole message just about finances. But I feel like there's just got to be something that changes in us. And we surrender ourselves to God. Everything we are and everything we have. For Abraham, the great test for him was Abraham, take your son, your only son, and offer him on one of the mountains that I will show you. And God, who had been so generous with Abraham and blessed him, found in Abraham a heart a father who was willing to give back to God whatever it cost. We know that God stopped Abraham just in time. 
God blessed Abraham that the Lord said to him after he was willing to offer his own son now I know that you love me and he reaffirmed his promise and expanded the promise to Abraham the blessed life is a generous life so would you open your heart to God today and would you be generous with your surrender to him in every area of your life would you stand please we're going to gather at the altar to pray if you've never been baptized in Jesus name we're prepared to baptize you today if you've never turned from your sins and repentance that's the starting point God is generous and he will give his Holy Spirit to them that ask him he will give you good gifts you will open your heart to him today. Right now, there's some battles going on in this congregation. The first battle is with guilt because some of you know what you should do and you haven't done it and you feel so guilty and condemned right now that you don't know what to do with yourself and you're trying to be mad at me but you know I preach the truth so you're having a hard time doing that. But guilt that drives you away from God will do you no good. Conviction that draws you toward God will. Amen. Maybe you've been a tightwad with God in the past but why don't you just say today's a brand new day for me. I haven't checked any contribution statements before I preach today. I stand here with a clean heart and a clear conscience and with no person in mind. But I know what I feel and I know what I see. So why don't you just draw a line in the sand say that was the past and this is the future. But some of you are missing the point that it's not just about that tie check or giving online that you've done or not done. It's about your whole outlook on life and what God is to you and your attitude toward Him. So would you start today by saying, Here I am, God. You get me and everything that goes with me. Would you come to the altar now and bring yourself and your heart and everything you are and would you respond to God with everything that is inside of you?